Join me, 48 Hours Correspondent Erin Moriarty, on my podcast, My Life of Crime, as I take on true crime investigations like no other. This season, I'm looking into the labyrinth of crime and secrets within families. I'm cutting straight to the evidence and talking to the people directly involved, including investigators and the families of victims. Listen to My Life of Crime with Aaron Moriarty wherever you get your podcasts. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Inspired by the life of the savvy and ambitious Colombian businesswoman Griselda Blanco comes a new Netflix original limited series. Griselda tells the story of a devoted mother who, with her lethal blend of charm and relentless savagery, creates one of the most powerful cartels in history. Witness Sofia Vergara's captivating transformation into the godmother of the underworld. Griselda, now streaming only on Netflix. In, in my research with INTPs and being an INTP, uh, research being a loose term, research being just kind of uh, my communications with INTPs in person, online, uh, reading all sorts of forums and memes and sort of just taking an outside-in perspective on the, the INTP experience, there is this aspect of socialization or challenge with socialization that uh, kind of pervades the INTP experience. And I think generally speaking, you know, there's some challenges with socialization in our uh, contemporary environment at the moment. It's a bit tough to interact with each other in a positive way. Uh, and I've been learning a lot about socialization and play relative to uh, fight and fawn responses as well as flight and freeze responses. Like in a lot of ways, in, in terms of human development, what we tend to do is have this imbalance of dominance or submission. Like you maybe approach a, a circumstance wanting something from someone or wanting to convert someone to something or change someone's mind about something or are afraid that someone's going to try to change your mind about something or convert you to something or dominate you in some sort of way. So fear of being submitted or, or uh, approaching something with a dominance frame. And this in a way like sort of expresses that continuum of fight and fawn. And uh, this is pervasive all throughout human history. And sometimes, you know, it, it's uh, important and relevant to have a dominance framework. You know, sometimes you have to teach people how to treat you. Sometimes it's important to back down and let someone else take the lead. Um, and then other times, if you're trying to get into a cooperative, sort of collaborative place and actually trying to build upon ideas, uh, it's important to get into a more balanced frame of mind. And so I think for me as an INTP, it's been incredibly helpful for me to learn that in order to engage with someone properly, and by properly I mean having them hear what I'm trying to say, 
but then also hearing out what they're saying and essentially building rapport with them and dropping their guard. I think it's important to let people know that I'm not intending to, if, if it's truly my intent, right? I'm not intending to change their mind or to dominate in some sort of way or that, um, what they think or feel is wrong. Um, but that, uh, I just have maybe a different opinion or I am sharing just my perspective or anything like that. Um, and sometimes that leads to conflict. Like conflict is a, is a calibration process. You're trying to figure out uh, a rule set of rules for the interaction. And then when you figure out a set of rules, you can play. It's like any game, especially when you're kids, right? I remember a lot of my experience as a kid is like figuring out the rules of the game. Like even though we were playing like stickball in the tennis court at the apartment complex I lived in when I was maybe 10, um, we, every single time, depending on the amount of players were involved, who was involved, the orientation of like where we were playing from. Sometimes we play from a certain corner versus a different corner. Um, who's pitching. Um, you know, if there's like a certain number of people and you can't cover a field, then it's like automatically a foul ball. If the ball gets hit into a certain field, like you have to figure out rules. And a lot of that developmental path for kids is figuring out rules in order to play. Once you establish an agreed upon set of rules for engagement, then you can play. And it creates this collaborative, competitive, interesting framework. Um, I think it's the same thing with any sort of creativity. If you're going to collaborate on building upon thoughts or working with a coworker or anything like that, you're needing to kind of set the rules for engagement in a sense, like figuring out how you're going to go about the next step, right? So like, for example, if you're going to be brainstorming, it's like setting the stage for like, what are we brainstorming about? How long are we going to be brainstorming for? What are we trying to figure out? Um, you know, what is allowed or expected? Things like that. Like that's part of, it's part of debate in a sense, you know, debate and conflict. And conflict is important in terms of a collaborative frame. Now, conflict can become awful when it becomes about dominance or submission, when it's just like you both want the exact same thing. And the only way that anyone's going to win is if one is literally going to destroy the other in some sense or another, um, conceptually, literally, um, and, and all of that, you know, some sort of dominance or getting them out of the picture, getting them out of the way because you both want the same things. And so there's this, like, it, it really, I, I've been listening to the daily evolver, which is a really great podcast talking a lot about integral theory and, um, systems and, and spiral dynamics and stuff like that. Integral theory is a version of spiral dynamics, sort of an evolution of it. And, um, talking about these, these stages of human development in a sense. And I think it's really interesting from an introverted thinking INTP perspective to think about this, this idea of submission and dominance in the conversations that you're having, having, like, I think one-sided introverted thinking can very much believe that we have the answers. We know everything that we think is true. And, um, we don't see what we think as an opinion. We think, you know, we've done the empirical quote unquote research and we know what the answers are. We know what is true. 
and everyone else who doesn't agree is wrong. And that, again, is more of a dominance frame. That's an authoritarian frame. And no one wants to be your friend when you're an authoritarian unless you force them to. Um, and so that's a, a challenge. Um, I think in this in this contemporary world, there is a lot of dominance and submission frameworks that are not um, balanced. And what does the balancing is socialization, typically, is being able to set the rules of engagement to respect where each other is coming from and to be able to figure out some sort of common ground. Like what is it that we both want and why do we want it and what can we do to figure out how to get it? Um, and so socialization is important in that it's, if there's literal dominance or submission, that's a different story. But what I'm talking about is the assumptions of dominance or submission. Like you can go into an argument these days and a lot of people already show up with their guard up if you say certain words or if you look a certain way or you're in a certain place. There may be assumptions of uh, religious affiliation or... Um, political affiliation or things that you believe in or, you know, whether or not you're wearing a mask in a certain situation um, over the pandemic, etc. Over the course of this pandemic, etc. And, um, you know, showing up to these engagements with this state of mind that someone is going to try to convert me or that I need to convert them I mean, that, that is not play. That is not socialization. That is a fight fawn situation. That is conflict of an order that is about dominance. That's about destruction. Whereas socialization, where you try to figure out like asking questions or, or even just having a conversation where you're respecting where someone else is coming from. And then also being able to validly say where you're coming from. Um, without the intention of converting the other person and conveying that you're not trying to convert the other person. Again, it, it puts the walls down and you're able to, you know, get into a more relaxed framework, right? Like play is so important. I've been trying to really open my own mind to being more playful and less cynical. And I think the more that I understand and respect varying worldviews, and varying ways that people think and understand that there's a logic to the way that everyone thinks. Even if I don't fully understand the logic, um, I'm becoming more and more okay with being stupid or to like, you know, not having the answer. I wouldn't say being stupid. That's a judgment, but like it can be very uncomfortable to not have the answer, especially as an INTP. If you don't know something like, then what am I? Uh, you know, that can be really disconcerting. But with time and with experience, that willingness to express that you don't know opens up a world of curiosity. And it's it's sort of approaching the world with curiosity. Because if you're approaching the world with curiosity, then you have no reason to dominate the world. You have no reason to convert the world to the way that you think. Because a lot of the times we try to convert the world to the way that we think so that we can feel safe. Um, because it's, if we're dealing with the unknown or some other way of thinking, then 
we feel vulnerable or we feel like we don't fit in and we might get cast out or thrown into a furnace or something. And um, very real realities when you're dealing with the concrete world, when you're dealing with more fundamentalism at a higher level or, you know, some sort of a, a Hitler situation. But when you're dealing with things conceptually, you know, the idea of basically all of these ideas of the esoteric ideas of like what is right and wrong, like who is appropriate and who is not appropriate, um, what is morally good versus not morally good, what is culturally appropriate versus not culturally appropriate. Uh, these are all things where we're having conflict to try to define the rules, but not approaching it with an open framework, not approaching it with uh, curiosity, but approaching it with contempt, approaching it with intention to dominate with my way is the right way, your way is the wrong way. And, uh, you know, because we're all scared of the wrong way, <laughs> the wrong way being self-defined, the wrong way being a perception of like, you know, whatever our version of the rapture is, um, global warming or literally the rapture, uh, not global warming, but the, um, the doom effects of global warming, for example, um, and sort of approaching each other from some sort of like opposing forces when reality is much more complex and curiosity of each other's experience allows us to see that I think each of us have a piece of the puzzle, right? Like we can't have a society without moral values, without, uh, you know, things like thou shalt not kill like it's probably that's a pretty good rule i'd say <laughs> personally uh obviously that's contextual depending on war and things like that but it's uh it's it's a general idea that makes it so people aren't just running around stabbing each other willy-nilly um at scale and that's important uh but then there's also like empirical evidence and trying to understand uh what's happening psychologically or how i don't know what's in our food um or that sometimes we need to modify food to get it to more people um you know that's a version of the truth um of a truth i should say not the truth it's not the truth there is no the truth necessarily but that everybody has a piece of some sort of truth, whether that's developmentally or individually. Um, I, I think it's about just kind of opening, opening ourselves up to allow for new possibilities. And I think some of that maybe is centered around um, discomfort with our own boundaries, discomfort with the feeling that Perhaps we know unconsciously, and I think when we get to like stage green in terms of spiral dynamics, we start to play with this a little bit more consciously, but I think we all know that we are susceptible to the influence of thought and the influence of culture and everything around us that, you know, humans are social creatures and we're very much a hive mind in a lot of ways. Um, not, not in a literally all thinking the same thing but in like a murmuration kind of way or like a school of fish that if there's like a slight turn in one direction, 
it's safe for everybody else to also start turn in the same direction. But then at some point you start to realize that you also have an influence and then you can turn and then everybody else starts to turn. And it's sort of this dance back and forth. And that you're not necessarily a hive mind, but you're an influential mind and you're being influenced and influencing. And I think this is really important to understand how we are affecting each other and how that affects us. And um, if we can get some curiosity around where mental states are, then I think we can navigate a little more freely between various thought states and um, not necessarily do it automatically, but find the times when it is beneficial to go with the stream and beneficial to guide the stream um, or even to stand outside of it, you know, kind of depends on the situation. Um, you know, so it's, it's tough to convey these things because depending on where you're at, where your worldview is, where your headspace is, you're, you're going to hear what I'm saying in a different way, right? So my intention is not relevant, <laughs> um, because what you're hearing is going to be how you hear it and the way that you hear it. Like there's going to be hundreds of people listening to this podcast that are going to hear a hundred different stories or a hundred different bits of information, a hundred different ways. And, um, I can't do anything about that. That's just part of the movement of the murmuration of the social construct. And, uh, what I'm saying is to not think of it cynically. I think we very much get caught up in thinking about it cynically. Um, you know, that, you know, it's religious people are just doing everything, blah, 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 or they're doing awful things. They're contradicting themselves. Or like, or like all this science people giving me all this information or just, you know, they're denouncing my faith and making me feel awful about my life. Or I just want my freedom and I don't want to wear masks because I want to go do whatever I want to do and I don't want to be told what to do and I don't like that. Or, you know, why don't you care about people and the environment and blah, 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 blah. Everybody's got, like, all these different perspectives. Those are just a couple of different examples, let alone things like personality type, uh, life experience, all of this stuff. Like, being a human is flipping complex. And, uh, you know, <laughs> sometimes I feel like doing this podcast, if I'm going to be candid, feels a little futile. Like, I don't really even know where I'm going right now. I'm just kind of swimming and sharing things, sharing what I'm learning in a way, um, in a, in a way that's sort of trying to honor a sense of open source thinking, you know, I want to give, I want to give you something to think about, right? I don't want you to take what I'm saying as gospel. That's why I kind of interweave between different systems, because if I just talk about one system all the time, I feel like it's easy to apply that system as the truth or an absolute of some kind. And I'm not in an absolutist place. If you are, and you know, you have a framework of a one true God and all of that stuff, there's nothing wrong with that. And I don't want to say that there's anything wrong with that. Um, that's what you need and that's where you are and that's what you've got to do. And it might be the case where curiosity about other people's experiences may not be where you are. And it may actually help you to focus in on where you're focusing on and perhaps building the skill that you need to develop or going into your uh, gospel a little bit more or going to church or, uh, you know, whatever it is, pray, meditate, etc. And stay in your own lane. Because I think that's, that's an important part of human development too, is honoring where you are, 
um, but then also respecting where other people are. And so that, to me, I think is where this like dominance and submission part comes in, because when we cross these streams and we see that someone else is not where we are, we think, A, they need to be where we are so that I can feel safe about safe and validated about where I am, or I need to defend myself against them pulling me to where they are because I'm aware in some subconscious way that I am susceptible to uh, ideation, I'm um, manipulatable, because we all are, and I need to defend myself against this person, and so I need to like call them names and distance myself, etc., etc. And sometimes you need to distance yourself, but I think it is about respect and and two things: boundaries. Boundaries, boundaries. I think is about are about two things in my mind. Boundaries are a big part of this of this balance of of submission and dominance. Is that boundaries are not just building a fence around you, though that's a part of it. You know, you can sometimes build a fence and a barrier and say like, hey, you. I, I'm setting an expectation. Like when you're building a fence around yourself or around a house, you're setting an expectation. This is my property. And if you cross this property without permission or without expectation, something might happen. Um, or you can say that something specific will happen. But a lot of people feel like a boundary is just saying, saying what the expectation is and expecting that to happen. And expecting them to never cross the boundary. And then getting upset when they cross the boundary. And not having anything else to back that up. The second part of that is a boundary is not only just trying to define where you would like someone to go or not go. And ultimately it's their decision to go or not go where they want to go. But setting the consequence and then also setting the expectation of where you will or will not go, right? So if you're coming into contact and conflict, negative conflict with people who are not willing to collaborate with you, to willing to be curious about you and you're not willing to be curious about them, then that's a greater boundary that needs to be set up and you not necessarily need interact with those particular sets of people. And I don't mean an entire worldview, but I mean those particular people who are reinforcing the negative aspects of your worldview and not engaging with them anymore. And so, for example, um, someone that we work with at our art studio, um, she was trying to set a boundary with people saying to not text her anymore because texting is more of the her personal life, and if there's anything involving the art studio, to not text her and to send her an email and go through the official channels. Now, she set the expectation, the equivalent of what I'm saying, to set a border, but then people kept texting her. But then she kept responding and saying, please don't text me here, or engaging in some sort of way. And now, it's one thing to set the expectation. It's another thing to reinforce the consequence or reinforce where you're not willing to go. And so saying, I don't want you to text me is the same thing as me saying, I'm not going to text you. It's the same idea, but it's like two parts of a, the whole idea that need to be honored at the same time. If 
you only do one, it's not valid. If you only do the other, it's not valid. You have to do both for it to be something that has any kind of meaning, right? Um, so for for us to set the boundaries that we need to set about our worldview, the things that we care about, etc., it's not about talking shit about the person who doesn't respect your boundaries. Because that's just... Like, there's a... Like, you... We all have boundaries that we have um, penetrated in others. And we just have to think about it. <laughs> you know, people have set an expectation and then we cross the boundary. That just happens all the time. Um, because we want what we want. And sometimes what we want is to convince someone of something. And so if we can see that in ourselves, then we can respect that in someone else. But at the same time, seeing that and respecting that doesn't mean necessarily that we have to enable it, right? So it's a balance of all of these complex things. So ultimately, what I'm trying to share here is that like this idea of dominance and submission and trying to get what we want, um, and then sometimes fawning over people because it's too hard to fight them, or we just... Um, find it easier to fit in somewhere uh these are all natural processes of like the human experience um but if we're going to take some sort of agency against those who are not good for us then boundaries are important but then there are also opportunities for engagement because of those boundaries right? When I talked about setting the rules and setting the boundaries, in a lot of ways, like setting rules for how you're going to play sets the boundaries. And once there are rules established, then you can play within those boundaries. Like, you know, my friend uh, setting the boundary about whether or not someone can text her is establishing a greater rule set so that if we all understand the rules that make sense to everybody and we all agree upon them, then we can we could play. We could do whatever we want within that. We can have a much more collaborative time. We can figure out what's going to happen um, next in the space together. And we're not doing the dance of, um, of, of having a conflict because we both want um, the same thing, but in a different way, which is to violate each other's boundaries. Um, so, what I'm trying to say, another another thing I'm trying to say is that um, I think not enforcing our own boundaries or collaborating in terms of figuring out rules, like boundaries, again, always sounds like an away from thing. Boundaries is an active process. Conflict is a part of setting boundaries. Conflict is not a bad thing. And that's something I'm learning for myself is that conflict is not something that's bad conflict is actually moving energy. It's moving collaborative energy through so that we can get to a space where we can just be playful about something, right? If part of the thing that we agree upon is that like, you know, we just disagree on stuff, uh, then we can accept that and we can keep playing and just like throwing these ideas out there and sometimes make fun of each other or whatever. But we know that the intent is not to convert the other person or that we can't convert the other person and that we can accept that. And then we can just kind of play with it all, um, without, uh, overstepping each other's bounds. Right. Again, with games, 
there's the idea of like rules and boundaries. Like you can hit the ball out of bounds there, or, um, there are places where, you know, if you're playing tennis, there's two sides of the court. You can't just run onto the other side of the court and hit the ball back at the person. Like that's not a part of the rules. (laughs) That's overstepping a boundary. And then the rules reinforce the boundary and say that like, well, if you do that, you know, you're going to get a foul. Or if you keep doing that, you're not allowed to play the game anymore. Right. And, um, that sort of negative conflict, that sort of, um, that's not even a conflict. That's just, uh, that's just overstepping your bounds. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's conflict. Um, with a lack of respect for what the other person wants. Right. So, uh, very much the reality of situation of human development is that not everyone is collaborative. Not everyone is able to, um, respect boundaries, even if you reinforce them or teach them. Not everyone's going to be your friend. Not everyone's going to like you. Not everyone cares. Um, now not everyone's going to be curious. It's not about them. I'm talking to you, <laughs> um, you know, and, uh, you're, you're the person that can be open-minded. You're the person that can, um, be more optimistic. You're, you're the person that can, uh, approach life with a collaborative frame. And again, it's not about, not about being, um, naive. It's not about, um, letting people walk all over you. Right. Again, like conflict is, is stepping forward. And I think that's the thing is that people avoid in an avoidance of conflict, they put down their boundaries kind of without realizing it, you know? So when I talk about setting the expectation, which is like putting the bubble around you and saying like, Hey, don't cross this. You also have to be willing to have conflict when they do cross the boundary and say like, no, 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 this is what we've set. We can't do this. I need to push you back. And then once everyone knows where they are and where they belong, quote unquote belong, or yeah, really where they are, not where they belong, but where they are in this moment in time, whether that's developmentally, whether that's in your friendship, whether that's in your family dynamic, whatever. Once everyone kind of knows where they are and what they need and they're not necessarily fighting for the same thing, um, which is a whole other thing, then we can work together. Then we can talk. Then we can play. And then we can have fun. Then we can play the game, right? Um, I hope any of that made any sense. Uh, I'm trying to process a lot of stuff that I've been thinking about related to conflict and I'm allowing myself to have conflict more in an effort to collaborate in an effort to more quickly get to a collaborative, playful place. Cause I'm tired of being cynical. I'm tired of fighting with people. Um, I mean, I don't fight with people anymore really, but I'm tired of, um, the energy of culture at the moment, at least here in America being this like everything's so divisive <laughs> everything feels like that everything feels like Ugh. there's a lot of complaining about expectations being crossed from all sorts of varying worldviews 
but not a willingness to reinforce the boundary and say like, hey man, you crossed my boundary, let's talk and and collaborate on figuring out how we can uh, coexist. It sounds so cliche to say as a, as a six green person that we need to figure out how to coexist. But we are coexisting through social media, through being able to see and interact with various worldviews more than we ever have before. But the idea of coexisting is not about everybody getting to the same place. Like six green thinks everyone needs to be six green. Four blue thinks everyone needs to be four blue. Traditionalists, you know, the the the, the Bible thumpers need every, everyone to be Bible thumpers. The tree huggers need everyone to be tree huggers. The science pushers, is there a word for science? Uh, <laughs> um, want everyone to be materialistic and objective and using numbers and science. Um, you know, and then the three red people want to play Fortnite or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, everyone wants everyone else to be where they are. And, you know, it's a part, it's part about reinforcing your boundary, but then also respecting other people's boundary. And it's, it's a two prong process all the time. Right. And it's not just assuming that it's other people coming to you, but also respecting that you're not coming to them in, in certain ways as well. Um, I feel like I keep talking cause I feel like I'm not really sharing the point exactly. Um, but there isn't an easy point, I guess. Like I said, there's no really like truth here. Um, I think the only main idea is that a very real part of human dynamics and the thing that causes stress interpersonally is this feeling of fight and fawn this feeling of like someone's trying to dominate me or I feel like I need to dominate them and getting to an equilibrium of socializing of reminding them that I'm not trying to dominate them or, or letting them know that they can't dominate me is a, an important part. And then equally them respecting that is an important part of getting to be able to play you can hear what I'm saying that there are multiple nodes of like, I have to let someone know that I'm not dominatable and then they have to accept that and balance themselves out and, and back down or that if I'm trying to dominate them, I need to see that within myself and then also back down or let them know if they have an assumption that I'm trying to dominate them, that I have to let them know through some sense of comfort and reinforcement that I'm not trying to dominate them. Or if they're fawning over me, which I've had that happen as well, which any, I think many people have had that happen over them as well, that I'm not your guru and I'm not going to lead you to the promised land and you you need to stand up for yourself. And I'm no, I'm not that for you. (laughs) I'm, you know, it's, this is not a codependent thing either. Right. So even with just like those four main ideas of me having a relationship with dominance and submission, the other person having a relationship with dominance and submission, and then the assumptions of each other's dominance and submission, that creates a lot of complexity and um, is really hard to develop the awareness of that in the moment and practice that in the moment. But all I want to say in this podcast episode is that if you can at least start thinking about that, then you can get yourself closer to socializing and, you know, helping each other get your guard down or put your guard up appropriately. 
and be able to collaborate and play and live a more optimistic experience where we can actually collaborate and figure things out together and build a better experience, ultimately. At least that's the way I see it. Um, So, how do I wrap this up? A lot of this is just what I've been thinking about for myself. I've been thinking about every time I enter an engagement with somebody, some sort of conversation, I'm gauging what the feel is. I tend to approach situations with a lot of confidence. So I tend to get the assumption from the other person that I'm trying to dominate or convince them or that they are prepared to fawn to me. And I don't accept either one. I don't want either one. Um, Some people, it can be really easy to, um, to see that someone else is threatened by confidence and then therefore they start to get into a dominant mode themselves or they frankly get excited or sometimes turned on by dominance and start to get into a fawning mode and flirting and all of that stuff. And I don't want that either. And so there is equilibrium of trying to figure out what that interaction looks like and how I can guide, at least with my energy, what can I do or say to get us into stasis, get us into a socialization mode where I'm listening to you and you're listening to me and we don't necessarily need anything from each other or that if there's something we need from each other, like let's figure out what that is and, you know, satisfy that and get into equilibrium that way. I don't know. Depends. So for myself, I'm just trying to figure out these interactions in real time, trying to get better at them. And um, understanding that conflict, healthy conflict, is actually beneficial to getting through it and getting into a place of optimism and play and connection and that and that optimism being lighter to be fun to to let go a bit uh is actually good for the brain it's good for my thought process it's good for thinking clearly right um i think a lot of us get up and get caught up in in depression because we're either taking the world too seriously or we're taking ourselves too seriously and uh, it's not that lightness means that the world isn't serious or that um, we're not serious. But if we get too caught up in being so serious all the time, then that leads to all sorts of um, intensity that leads to depression, which leads to, frankly, unfortunately, uh, suicides because we're, we're too attached to a role or a feeling and we're not honoring what is natural for us, which is growth and movement and um, building and moving forward. You know, by, in a way, by taking ourselves seriously, we're locking in our identities 
of how I feel in this moment or who I am in this moment or what the world is in this moment and where the world's going, there's a certainty and certainty can feel very satisfying. Certainty can feel addicting because it can feel safe, but that will only last so long. You know, the idea of sometimes a version of peace means having an authoritarian figure like Genghis Khan and his empire. Like there was a lot of relative peace because there was a lot of dominance, but that didn't last forever. That doesn't last forever. And by today's worldview standards, that would not be appropriate. And things change all the time and we change all the time. But if we don't change with the times and we don't change with ourselves, with our natural desire to move and go and grow and flow, then we're going to get stressed by that. And that's just going to keep on compounding in a negative way. All right. I've got things I got to do. Um, but I appreciate you listening and giving me a place to express myself and to share some of these ideas and things that I'm trying to figure out for myself. Again, I'm just a person with an opinion. This is not a gospel in any kind of way. I'm not telling you how to live your life. Do your best. Figure it out for yourself. This is you. Experiment. Um, but you can also share some of your comments and thoughts. Like, where are you? What are you thinking? What's going on? Um, does anything not really make sense? <laughs> Let me know in the comments below if you're listening on YouTube. Or you can leave me an email at uh, christian at happychemicals.org. We have courses for ITPs at happychemicals.org that are about relationships, uh, productivity, uh, energetic exchange, like energetic uses of your energy as an INTP, integrating the shadow functions to balance ourselves out. And, um, and then I also have what's called cosmic calibration, which is about unlocking our intuition and seeing how our intuition is actually beneficial to greater thinking and clarity and, uh, all that fun stuff. And I also have an email list. So if you go on to habitchemicals.org, sign up for the email list, there is a secret podcast called Input Process Output that is all about uh, introspection and creativity and uh, flow in a lot of ways. So with all that being said, thank you so much for listening to Dopamine and Other Happy Chemicals. I have been Christian Rivera, and I will catch you next time. See ya.